this may be the last entire talk about family therapy. It's a department point to something else, something new. Uh, but the main question is, how can we treat obesity in children? How can we treat obesity in children? I mean, we can use, we, we, can, we can improve physical activity, we can change dietary habits, but in all those different interventions, we have one unifying force, one challenge, the parents. So what do we do uh, about parents? I called the talk parents as gatekeepers. And actually, why do we think that parents are the gatekeepers? Mom, do we have anything for taking out blood spots from the clothes? What I have here is good for that. Why? What clothes is there blood on? You will know that after I have tried the next treat. What happened here as a determined influence on what this boy is going to the mother's concern, and actually there was one of the uh, conclusions from this very nice paper from San Diego by James Salis and the group, when they look what influences active commut commuting to school, is it how easy it is to get to school, how the built environment looks like, or the parental concern. And they interviewed the parents, they actually measured objectively built environment, how safe it was to go to school. They measured crime and everything, but they saw that the most important aspect was parental concern. So if parents thought that, that the environment was safe, they let children to walk to school. So that was their attitude. So parents are the gatekeepers in many ways. Are parents concerned about cycling, skateboarding? Do they all carry different risks? I don't know that, but their concern about safety of the children was the most important thing. I mean, the general understanding of the safety. Yes, home environment matters. This is uh, one very uh, disturbing, I would say, piece of epidemiological evidence. So this is the results of a study done in Denmark, in Copenhagen. And what uh, Tokyo Sorensen and Inelisa did is that they followed 1,200 children at the age of 9 to 10, and they had uh, teacher reports uh, at that time, and also reports from healthcare providers, school healthcare providers, and they matched those reports with weight and height of those children when they were adults. And what they saw is that uh, those uh, children that grew up in families when, uh, uh, with a perceived harmonious support were in a much less risk of developing uh, obesity in a, a later in life compared to those children with no support. But look at this. Those children that were seen, observed as dirty, had a ninefold increase of uh, developing obesity later in life. And this is one of the most, I mean, highest odds ratio ever reported in obesity uh, studies. Were those children short as well? I don't know that. Uh, 
I don't think so. This is not one of the conclusions in the study. So yes, home environment matters. And I'm trying to make a case that therefore it's very important to involve family. And one potential way of involving families is through family therapy because this is, a, this is an approach developed to, to involve family in different kinds of treatments. But what is family therapy and how does it differ from individual therapy? So when we think about individual, we have one client and one therapist. It's, it's a very set structure and you have one subjective reality which means that the patient or the client is telling one story and the therapist is able to challenge that story and the security is set through a structure setting. So usually they meet once a week at 2 o'clock on, uh, on Thursday. Uh, however, family therapy is very different. You usually have one or more clients and one or more therapists. It's an unstructured setting. So during those meetings you, you hear many subjective realities, many stories that are told in an unstructured way. So the therapist has to manage unpredictable challenges of one subjective story. So, however, the security is not through a structure setting, but is, but is by, by the fact that the patient has his own network in the room. So what is interesting that after those meetings, patients remember more what the family member said than what the, uh, what the therapist said. So we could say that individual therapies to manage the inner drama. And the family therapies to manage the drama in the room. She interpreted and he. So how did the family therapy develop? Uh, well, it developed after the Second World War, and it started with, I mean, the first prevailing approach, when we start with Freud and so on, was treatment of individuals. And then actually, the, the, the truth, the approach at that time, that you should remove uh, patients or parents from children in order to speed up the recovery. I mean, and that approach prevailed for a very long time. So for example, um, even in a medical settings, children were not allowed to see their parents during treatment of, well, for example, cancer. Because when the children met parents, they, um, they behaved in a very strange way. They got upset or didn't want to talk to parents. And at that time, we didn't know the attachment theory. I mean, we didn't know that that was actually a normal uh, response to separation from parents in difficult conditions. So at that time, uh, the idea was that parents either cause uh, mental disease or um, inhibited uh, uh, way to health. And then what happened is that uh, some studies show that if you put individuals in the group, the results get better. But still, the idea was was the treatment of individuals, not what happens in between individuals. 
And then uh, we move towards the family system, how we can, uh, we can influence individuals to work better within the system. And where are we now? I would say that maybe we are going towards the wider system uh, of which the families are part. I will come back to this. So, I would uh, just say that uh, already in the 50s there was one uh, uh, psychiatrist, Christian Middelfer from Wisconsin, who had an idea that we should involve the whole family and he presented a research paper on that. However, the first books that changed the thing came from New York, from Nathan Ackerman, who wrote that family is an organic whole, which means that if, if that, let's say, that family member is in trouble and it's shaking, the whole system is shaking. And from that, the, the family uh, therapy field developed. For example, uh, Wine, an American, introduced the concept of rubber fence, which means when you try to change the family system, there is a fence, rubber fence, that is changing but still keeping the system, the family members uh, within the system. So it's very difficult to, 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 to break that, that fence. Uh, the Hungarian uh, family therapist studied multi-generational -gener uh, families, so he went beyond nuclear family and he coined uh, a term invisible lo uh, loyalties. Um, Don Jackson from uh, Paolo Alto coined the uh, homeostatic mechanism, basically building on the rubber fence that how norm and values uh, develop in the families uh, and how the system tried to try to stay them in balance. A very interesting work was done by Minerchin, and he's Argentinian psychiatrist uh, who uh, came to New York and started to work with immigrants in slums. Uh, and he understood the importance of section and subsystems. What he saw was young um, boys from Mexico who came to New York and quickly learned English uh, <coughs> compared to their parents and kind of advanced above their parents. So suddenly they became the head of the family and how that disrupted the family system. Um, so he looked a lot in, into structures and he also introduced one-way observation screen in order to develop family therapy. So uh, another interesting development happened in Milan, the Milan group, who uh, introduced circle interviewing. As uh, what they did, they asked, uh, they 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 practice asking different questions to different family members to hear how the family system noticed change in the system. I will talk more about this soon. Uh, another. Uh, uh, interesting development was by Steve DeShazen, uh, American, when they looked at the power of reframing the problems, for example, depression can be hidden joy, how changing that frame can change the talk in the family. And uh, 
Very interesting development was by Helene Anderson, another American one, when she said, when she came to the idea that that the best and most powerful um, development therapies can achieve when they work together with the family. So they came from from the directive instruction. This is how you should do to a collaborative endeavor that family are experts on their own table. Uh, so, what we have today, we still have structural therapy that works on power hierarchies <coughs> developed by Salvador Minochin, when they basically see how the family, when the family enters the room, you can see who, who sits close to whom, and then you start to understand how the structure, who tells the story, who has idea, what is happening in the room, and you try to change that, quite directive. You have the strategic therapy, which is more indirect, uh, and uses different home tasks, um, trying sometimes to, to enlarge the problem in order to, um, to, 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 to come closer to the solution. And for example, this one. <laughs> Sometimes the home task is just to make, to, to increase the problem in order to, to break the pattern. Uh, you have the systemic uh, therapy developed by Italian group um, using circular questions and neutrality, and I will comment on those. And uh, you have the brief solution focused therapy, shorter therapies using scaling questions, for example, on the scale between 1 to 10, how uh, important is it for you to, uh, to lose weight? And then, you, and then you ask that question, not to the adolescent, but to the mother or to the sibling. And then a narrative therapy developed by Michael White from Australia and David Epstone using narratives in the therapy. It's based on storytelling, and they also use externalization. They worked with children with eating disorders or uh, um, victims of sexual abuse, and they reframe, in order to be able to talk about so difficult experiences, they reframe anorexia or incest, uh, and they externalize that from the, from the narrative. And then we have re reflective teams developed by a Norwegian, Andersen, trying to, to, to develop an even more neutral approach to the treatment. Because when the therapist is in the treatment, you get very easily involved. So what they do, they have a reflecting team behind a one-way observation screen. And that team is looking how the therapist is conducting the session. And then, for example, calls with a phone to the therapist and, and ask the therapist to, to, to ask a question. So the family therapy has been used widely uh, in different contexts, for example in somatic diseases, when they look at the family interactions as a means to implement and maintain uh, lifestyle changes. And one of the most beautiful studies was made by Brian Lusk um, in England. We have few studies about diabetes, and we have one study about child obesity, and we have one of the first studies. I will, to, I will talk more about it soon. But I would like to say that 
Not all family-based treatments are family therapy. It's, it's not enough to have a family in the room if you don't, if you don't have their significant others, if you don't focus on the relationship as central to health, if you don't employ interactive approach, and if you don't have a supervision of a licensed family therapist. Unfortunately, in Medline, family therapy as a term is used for all meetings with families, regardless of, uh, of whether the interactive approach is used. What do we mean by interactive approach? It is an approach that focuses on the relations between different members of the system. So it focuses on creating optimal emotional climate in order to help the child. Uh, and in case of obesity, they focus on cooperation, communication, support, consistency, different boundaries. But how can that work? I mean, how can that lead to improve weight? One idea, and this is, this is a conceptual model I used in a study that um, I have started in Sweden, is that let's say that we have an intervention for obese children and their parents. And during that intervention, we focus on general parenting practices. For example, how parents can learn to show more warmth, how can improve their limit settings. And let's say that those uh, general parenting practices translate to specific parenting practices in, uh, in the context of meal routines, snack control, etc. And that, in itself, we hope can lead to improved food habits and improve physical activity and in long term to improve weight and height and metabolic health and psychosocial health. So we believe that that general practices have an have indirect uh, effect on, on uh, health outcomes. So now for the rest of this talk, I'm going to talk about three different models of family therapy. I will talk about family therapy in early childhood, I will talk about family therapy in adolescence, and I will talk about family therapy in a clinical practice for both young children and adolescents. But when we, talk, when we think about the role of parents uh, in early childhood, those models that are most um, common now are based on directive, normative ways of dealing. So the therapists basically say to their patients, teach them what is good parenting. So, so we start with a healthy parenting, with a healthy child, and of course I think I think about parent training programs, and there are many. There is COPE, Incredible Years, and Triple P, Principle of Positive Parenting. These are the programs where parents are welcome to attend uh, when the children are small, and they learn with other parents, it's usually group treatment, different ways of good parenting. And um, how they can use discipline, how can have realistic expectations, but also how to take care of yourself as a parent, how to manage stress, how to regulate emotions. And Triple B is uh, one of the programs that uh, has been tested 
as a way of uh, preventing uh, further weight gain in obese children in Australia. Um, so, in that sample, there were 100 children with a mean age of 8.6. They um, received triple P, it was a randomized control trial, and after one year, they could see uh, improvements in weight status and improvements in um, uh, general behavior uh, problems in children, but also in their parents' competence to manage those behaviors. And uh, in the control group, the children continued to increase weight, and there was no improvements in the behavior patterns or competence. However, I do need to say that uh, the weakness of this trial is that the target group consisted of uh, mothers with a high level of competence coming from middle class or higher. Um, so we still don't know how feasible this treatment is in, in, a, in a population most in need, which is low SES. Um, from low SES. What about adolescents? There are, here we have different uh, uh, struggles. We have the parent, we have the parent, but we also have uh, different systems in the family, uh, in, in the adolescent's life that compete uh, when it comes to competence, interest, time. One therapy that is widely used for adolescents, one final therapy is multisystemic therapy that targets multiple systems that contribute to health problems, which means that they introduce uh, the world of an adolescent, of a teenager. How can friends and school, in school or outside school and the parents work together in order to uh, to introduce a positive change. So they tested that model in the US on a group of the most resistant to treatment uh, patients, which are African-American adolescents uh, with a high degree of obesity. There are very few trials targeting this, this, this group. Uh, and they were randomized to multisystemic therapy or a conventional group weight loss treatment called shakedown, and they were followed for six months. So, after the six months, uh, none of those uh, randomized to shakedown completed the program. And, um, and those who, who uh, followed the multi-stem therapy uh, had um, uh, positive outcomes on weight. And what is very interesting are uh, the the mechanism that contributed to that. But before that, few words about family therapy. As I said, it looks into the fit between the problems and the system. So it tries to join different systems in the, in the everyday life of a teenager and use the systemic strength. How can friends be helpful in weight loss? Um, but also, when you think about teenage years, there is a lot of 
you know, discussions about responsible behavior, how can that be introduced in a, in a, in a promoting, elegant way in, in, in the teenager's life. Um, talks about daily effort from all family members. Uh, it's very difficult for a teenager to lose weight when nobody in the family really cares. Uh, evaluation of barriers and how can we maintain maintenance the change how, uh, by addressing different needs. So, this is very interesting. When you look at the mechanism of, of change, this is MSD and this is shakedown. When you look at the family encouragement during the time of the treatment, you see that in MSD, the families member were increasingly encouraged or <coughs> supported for the teenager. Um, and when you look at the participation, they were actually in, the participation increased during the treatment, while in the shakedown group the participation decreased. And this is quite common. I mean, in the beginning everyone wants to help, but then when the times go on, that becomes an individual uh, uh, endeavor. So what's being measured? I'm just looking at the number scales on the side. What's being measured for participation and encouragement? Just looking at the scales, somewhere between 12 and 17. 12 and 17, what? I actually don't know uh, exactly what scales there were. I, I don't remember, but these are the scales that they usually use in this kind of uh, treatment. So they look at specific uh, parenting practices that are most important uh, for the child, uh, for the change of behavior for the child. So, but that's a very good question. So, lastly, how can that be used in a clinical practice? Can that really be used in a, in a medical setting? for all families with obese children entering the door? And I would say yes, it can be. Uh, this is a center when I spent 10 years of my life, it's in the south of Sweden, when we receive children refer from pediatrician, school healthcare, nurses, own referrals to the center when we work with family therapy with the big team. So this is a treatment of choice. This is the only treatment that we give as a medical specialist to, to families. And more than half of our patients uh, come from our immigrants. So in half of the cases, we use interpreters in order to communicate with the family. And that um, model was based, was developed through a feasibility test trial that started in 86, 1986, and at that time, my former supervisor, Kalei Flodma, screened a total population of all children in the Swedish third largest city, uh, Malmö, and those children that met the criteria of obesity were uh, invited to participate in a treatment. And they were invited, they were randomized to three groups, conventional treatment, um, uh, six sessions of family therapy and no treatment. And 
that treatment you can see had a significant effect on weight development in those children. These numbers are unadjusted. At that time you usually use crude BMI. We know that BMI increases with age. Nowadays we use BMI as the scores. And we use that as a starting point in <coughs> setting up a clinical center that uses family therapy uh, as a means to empower the family system. So the center was opened in 2001. Since then, more than 2,000 patients have come through the center and we uh, trained quite a few clinicians. And, uh, but of course, when you adapt a treatment to a new context, you have to evaluate again how the treatment works in that new context. And this is the first paper for my PhD thesis when we look at the first, the very first patients uh, referred to that center. Um, so there is a wide uh, range of age. They were very obese at that time. Uh, and uh, when we had, we, we followed them for a year. And at the end of that year, 81% were still in the treatment and we had uh, data on those. And this was a low-intensive family therapy, uh, and what we could see that we managed to reduce uh, levels of overweight, we improved self-esteem in children, and we improved family functioning, assessed with a family climate scale. So, she's one of our patients. But what we also did at that time, because that was 2004, and we had three years waiting list for treatment. That was when the obesity epidemic in children in Sweden was at its peak. So we had to do something quick and cost effective, but yes, still effective. So what we did, we repackaged that uh, treatment to group treatment. So we invited groups of families, 12 families at the same time in a big room, Together, together with their friends and relatives, so we could have 67 people in the same room. And we have four meetings during one year, and we compare that to a waiting list control group. Amazingly enough, we had 90% of, of these severely obese children still in treatment after one year. And uh, when it comes to effectiveness, we succeeded to lower level of overweight in those children with severe obesity, which means under BMI is a score of 3.5. This, this, this is, I would say, the same as BMI 40 for adults. But we didn't succeed with those with a BMI a score of 3.5, above 3.5. And, uh, well, I and... Uh, you wrote a book about this, and this book has been used in different settings, so this uh, treatment has been disseminated to a few other centra in, uh, in Scandinavia. But people ask us, yeah, but what do you actually do? I mean, you have only four meetings during, during one year. What do you talk about? How do you talk? What are the tools? What do you do that we can do? in other uh, settings. 
So we wrote the paper together, this is my last paper for my PhD thesis, about useful tools for clinicians. And when we analyzed our treatment, we came to the idea that what really matters is the way we approach the families, the language we use, the process, uh, and the setting. And I'm just going to, uh, to mention a few of those. So for example, the approach. When the referral letter comes, let's, let's say from a school healthcare nurse, uh, we write back to the family and say to, her, say to her, well, wonderful that you have decided uh, to, to, to start our treatment. Um, we believe that the treatment is truly successful if many people important in your child's life are invited. So, please bring with you all important, significant others. We have many chairs in our room. However, what happens, what happens if a school nurse calls us and says, well, um, I've heard that this family has been referred to you. Can I come on Tuesday and join the treatment? Well, we say, well, that depends on the family. So the family defines the support system. We don't force that upon the family. Also, when during the treatment we talk uh, continuously about different family members that are not, not in the session. For example, what would you tell your wife about what we discussed during this session? I mentioned before neutrality. This is something that the Milan group uh, developed in the systemic therapy. That's a very interesting stance. It's based on a state of curiosity. In order to develop equal alliances with the whole family, we stay in a state of curiosity. So we don't join, let's say we don't show, show that one of the family members have the solution. We listen with equal curiosity to each story and we try to, to understand how those stories fit together. We are very particular about what kind of language do we use. And we try, as the family, as the Milan group, use a circular interviewing when we ask about specific behavior to other family members. For example, if you compare yourself with your mother, do you eat less, as much or more? The child answers with, my, with pride, I eat more than my father. And the adds, but I eat very little. I'm the kind of person who really needs to think about portion size, otherwise I gain too much weight. As you see how we ask, we ask in a curious, non-blaming way. And, and by this way of asking, we can collect very interesting information. And we also see how the family members react to those questions. We use contextual markers. For example, when we are, when we where we show uh, the, when we try to mark when we are experts and when the family is an expert. So for example, uh, some studies show that by decreasing television viewing time, children are able to increase physical activity and increase weight. This is why we encourage children to limit television and computer time to a maximum of two hours a day. What is your opinion about this? I mean, it's still okay that the par parents have another idea about this. We are curious how do they work, how do they have, what kind of rules and norms they have regarding um, screen time in their families. So, 
Summing up, where are we in the child obesity treatment? When we look at the first results from the Cochrane Review, uh, and the first Cochrane Review was performed in 2004, there were very few randomized controlled trials. And one of the conclusions was that the best research was conducted in populations most likely to respond to interventions. Um, so there was a lack of generalized everyday practice. Today, the situation looks better. There are much more RCTs. And the idea is that, uh, yes, treatment of child obesity can be effective. Combined behavioral lifestyle interventions produce significant, meaningful reduction in overweight. That conclusion couldn't be reached at the previous Cochrane review. What does it mean, combine behavioral lifestyle intervention? It means that you need to combine changes in nutrition, changes in physical activity, and, and changes in behavior. However, there is still no, uh, no consensus which model is the best one. There are few problems, few gaps of knowledge. There are very few studies for children at the age of four. There are very few studies with ethnically diverse children. And we still don't know which family characteristics uh, promote the success because the mechanism of change was not, were not properly assessed during the older studies. Basically, the clinicians were just happy to be able to have the families in treatment and to produce some kind of meaningful reduction in overweight. Uh, but they didn't assess the mechanism of change. And this is what we are trying to do in a study I have just started in Sweden. Uh, we tried to answer the question, how effective is LRBC treatment in children? And the study is called a more or less study, which is a long-term randomized controlled trial. And I am the PI, and I have a distinguished group of co-investigators helping us with their expertise in specific fields. What are we going to do? Well, this is the flow chart. As you see, we are, we are going to, um, uh, to have 240 children at the age of 4 to 5 referred uh, to us. We are going to randomize them to three different treatment arms. The first question we would like to answer is <coughs> what treatment focus is most effective? Is it parenting, so parent training programs, or is it lifestyle changes? Um, we are also going to look at what length of treatment uh, is optimal. Is it enough to have a brief intervention of uh, three months or 14 weeks, or do we need to have booster sessions? How important are they for the treatment success? Uh, we are also going to look at what ages are most optimal for, uh, for the treatment start. Uh, we are going to compare the group that starts tra uh, treatment as usual at the age of four with the group on the waiting list that will start at the age of six. Is it really the best to start early or is it, is it equally effective to start later? Lastly, we are going to carefully assess the mechanism of change. 
parenting practices uh, is, is one, but we are also going to look at the predictors like uh, socioeconomic status, parental depression, and others. And lastly, finally, we are also going to see if we are having the right people in the treatment rooms. So, through different methods, and this is the methods I'm trying to, I'm, I'm working on here, we're trying to assess who is participating in treatment compared to who is most influential when it comes to lifestyle of the child that is referred to that uh, to the treatment.